The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. So your second deployment, dude, you go over, I I haven't really heard this myself, you know, you know, I've been friends for a bit, but like, do you got any crazy tick, crazy firefight fucking stories? Anything that was definitely like, God damn, that was, that was. So it, that second deployment was totally 180 from the invasion, right? right. We didn't do much during the invasion. Um, that second deployment was out of control. So we were doing, uh, if I remember correctly, it was a long one too. It, it was, I can't remember. I think it was like eight months or something, but we did, uh, we did 180 hits. So like wow. every single night, pretty much every single night at like two, three o'clock in the morning, somebody's door was blowing up. Um, and, and at the same time, like during the day, we were training the uh, Iraqi SWAT. They were called Hilla SWAT at the time. Mm-hmm. So we were doing FID, right? Training these dudes. And then at night we would do hits and at the end, it turned into we were turning it over to them. So we were, you know, able to train them. They were like kind of like our uh, trailer platoon yeah. um, the the entire time, and then we handed it over to them. But like, I mean, it was it was intense. The that deployment was super intense. And then we're like the the fobs getting hit all the time. We're like sleeping in bunkers. You know, we're putting sandbags up around our you know beds in the tents. Uh, it was, it was highly kinetic. Um, I was, I was the, uh, that was the 24th Mew again. And I was the, uh, aerial platform sniper for the 24th Mew. So I had, I had like this dedicated aircraft that was all set up. All, it, I, it was all rigged up for me. Five gallon bucket full of magazines, just waiting. I'd get a call in the, uh, in the tent. And run out there. They'd brief me up real quick as we were fucking flying out. Kill bad dudes. And head back. Go to the gym. Eat. You know. Do the cycle again. I mean, that was probably the coolest um, task that I had during that deployment was the aerial sniper uh, piece. Is there one, one of those missions that stands out to you during the aerial stuff? Not really. They were all very similar. Um was it just doing a lot of supporting other units that needed so that assistance? The, ma- the majority of it was like, uh, you know, enemy would set up like uh, a checkpoint and they'd start like either harassing or, or killing people as they come through the checkpoint. Uh, we, you know, that was brought to our attention. We go out there. Those dudes start dispersing. We kill them, you know, disable those vehicles that they were in. And then I go home. Like, uh, and it was just that over and over again. It, what it, your, it, when I was doing it, I like, I kind of, I would think of like, uh, like Miami vice. Remember like in Miami vice, the old Miami vice, they'd go out in the chopper and, you know, it would come, you know, close to a car that's approaching at high speed. It was like, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing you had Mark 11 and, uh, and the Barrett. So in the beginning, um, we, we had the Barrett and I just turned to an M4, a fully auto M4 and it worked the best. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah. it was cool just doing fucking figure eights, you know? Um, it was cool. But like at the same time, a lot of times when we, when we would go up, I got a guy across the way from me with a 240, you know, and we're just taking turns and <laughs> I, I mean, I could have just had a 240 next to it. You know, two 240s would probably be better than a guy with an M4, but it was cool. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> so that's, you know, like year what? That was 0405. 
So that's like year four or five for you in the Marine Corps at this point. You get back from OIF two. What uh, what's next, man? Walk us through. So yeah, when did you I, when did you reenlist? Did you come in initially for four or six? Four, four. So so uh, when I got back from the invasion, um, it was it was kind of like, hey, we we need to give you something. What do you want? And I was like, I want to go to sniper school. And right. uh, so in between those two deployments, I did sniper school. And, nice. and that was another, like, yep. you know, it, it was a, 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 I think it was a Monday morning and my platoon sergeant at the time was like, Hey, one guy failed his PFT. We got an opening at sniper school. Uh, who's ready. And I was like, I'll go. And, and I like, I, I drove over there when I got back from the invasion, I bought like my first brand new car, bought a Jeep Wrangler. And I, uh, I drove over to cyber school. I made it through the, uh, the screener and I was in and like, again, like no planning at all, you know, nothing ready. And, and I fucking, I made it man. And cyber school was incredible too, uh, at stone Bay. Yeah. So I, I graduate there. I actually reenlisted in sniper school. I was in a ghillie suit, uh, reenlisted. I, I get done there, and then we go right into our workup and deploy on that 2004-2005 deployment. I get back from there, and I'm still – I'm a corporal still. I uh, I actually – so on that deployment, my platoon sergeant uh, – again, this was during the time where, like, getting promoted wasn't like – like, you know what you need to do nowadays. Back then, you really didn't. You just did your job. And like people just started getting promoted. So like everybody started picking up sergeant and I didn't. So the platoons aren't like, why aren't you picking up sergeant? Right. And that wouldn't be a question nowadays from a platoon sergeant, but he's like, Hey, why, why aren't you picking up sergeant? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, all, all these guys are, and, and we all came in the same time and, and he's like, what the fuck? So, so he goes away, comes back the next day and we're like in the tent. And he's like, uh, he's like, you never did your MCI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, no, they're stupid. You just copy the answers. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You have to do that. And I'm like, okay. So then he, he like comes in. He's like, here's the test. Here's the answers. Put the answers on the test, you know? <laughs> and so, so I submit it. And like, as soon as I got back, um, to the States, I got promoted to, to Sergeant and I get a call from the monitor, right? So the monitor, it's called different things in, in all the services, but our monitor, he's going to place you at your next assignment. And he's like, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm calling to talk to you. I mean, this guy's like a master Sergeant, right? And, and I'm, I'm a corporal and, uh, he's like, I'm calling, I'm calling to, uh, figure out what you want for your next assignment. And I'm like, what I want, like I got options. And, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, you going to dive school uh, and being a dive instructor. And I'm like, like in my head, I'm just like, that sounds incredible. Um, but uh, do you know, I'm not a diver. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll go through the school and then you'll become an instructor. And I'm like, uh, I'm not really down with that. Like, I don't want to be an instructor unless like I have some experience to talk about. And I'm like, what, what else do you have? And, and he's like, well, I got, I got sniper school. You're a sniper. And, and then he goes, and then there's like a pause and he goes, or you could be an ARS instructor. And I was just like, an ARS instructor. Cause like when I went through ARS, like my, o my OIC was Zimbeck, you know, and, and like the rest of the staff there, these guys were all heavy hitters. Like they went over, you know, and went to fucking different groups, you know, and, and they're still there or they just retired. Uh, these guys were like monsters. And I'm thinking like Corporal Rustano is going to be an ARS instructor. Like, <laughs> like, is that really a thing? And, so he was like, well, you think about it and give me a call tomorrow. So like, I, I mean, it, it, it was just, it was heavy. Like 
on yeah. me. Like I wanted to go to dive school, right? Because it's nowadays uh, when there's a pipeline, right? So you don't even go to a platoon until you're jump, yeah. dive, free fall, sear. Like you go fully up. Kid. Oh, wow. Oh, really? They, yeah. You get all that before you ever show up to your fucking yeah. unit? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's cool. Back then, it was it was a struggle, right? You, like, you had to like, yeah. so do close, something so good. Far. Like, oh, you did something good. You want to go to Airborne? Yeah, I want to go to Airborne. You know, and then you get to Airborne, you're like, Airborne sucks. Uh, but, but like, it was it was a gift, right? And 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 you always had something to look forward to. I'm gonna do this deployment, and I'm gonna do really good, so I can go to free fall school, and I and then I'm gonna do really good because I want to be a sniper. Um, and that's not a thing anymore. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's good for the community because you get this guy that's fully qualified when he shows yep. up to your platoon. Uh, but what it's not good at is the the dude having things to strive for, right? Those yeah. things are all just given to you on the front end instead of working for them. So it's a it's a good point, man. It goes both ways, yeah. man. Little coin flip there. Um, yeah. I don't even know where I was. So, so you, uh, you got to call the monitor. Gave you twenty four hours to think about what what billet. Yeah. So I I just go back to my room and and I just like I don't even think I slept because I mean it was such a it was such an honor to like because in my head uh, and and I do this with many things in my life. Jason knows this. Where like I'm not worthy, you know. Like yeah, that can't be me. Uh, I'm not the guy that you want advice from. Like, I'm not the guy with that experience. Like, that's how I've always been. And and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to take that job and I'm going to show up there. I wasn't even a sergeant yet. I'm going to show up there as Corporal Restaino to ARS. And I took the orders, man. And And that was like one of my best duty stations ever. Uh, yeah. ARS what, was what, year, what year did you go there? Uh, so it was right after that deployment. I want to say like end of 05. Okay. Uh, I was only there for two years because they closed down. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, it was the best fucking duty station. Like I learned so much uh, while I was there uh, of the basics, yeah. right? Because it is a yeah. lot of the basics. I got that because I didn't have it before. Even though I, you know, I've been to war twice now, I, I still like didn't have all those basics and I got it being an instructor because I had to learn it because I had to teach it and I became pretty fucking good at it. Um, well, I, I think the save round on that is it's survival while you're a student. You're just trying to make it from child, oh, yeah. child minute to minute and you're only absorbing it's a fucking fire hose and you're just trying to literally survive to the next day just to graduate. So you're not getting you're learning, but you're not learning because it's such an aggressive environment. Now you as an instructor, you've got time. That pressure is not there from what I'm taking it. Is it's like the pace is slowed down. I really have to know what I'm fucking talking about. I've got time to study the pubs. For sure. To, to, to vocalize your trade, to see it from a non-aggressive state. So you're probably absorbing so much more on this back end, which is solidifying you as even better recon, Marine. That's, that's cool, man. Oh, yeah, it, for sure. It definitely made me, um, it made me more of a leader you know, more proficient in my trade. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it was eye opening too. So I, when I went there, this is kind of funny too. Uh, so when I went there right off of that deployment and I'm like a pretty big dude, right? I get off the deployment and I'm, I'm kind of jacked. I'm probably like, two, I'm like 225 now. I was probably like 215. Um, I'm only five nine, right? So I, pretty big <laughs> for that, that height. And I go in there and I, and I, I just think back to like instructors crushing us, right? Because they have the experience and they're, you know, their bodies are made for that at that time. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking do that. So at that time we had rabbits, right? And the, every instructor got to pick their, uh, their event. And we all had to pick three throughout the whole entire class. And I was like, I was like, I'll take this three mile ruck run. I'll take this one. And so my first ruck run, I think was a five mile ruck run. And I was the rabbit and I'm pumped. Like it's four 30 in the morning. We're out there freezing about to hit the beach. And I'm like, all right, you guys ready to go? 
And nobody could pass the rabbit, right? The rabbit sets the pace and all of the scores go off of the rabbit's pace. So I fucking book it. We're going down the beach. I'm losing motherfuckers. We get off the beach and, and head into like the hinderland. And it just hits me like, I am not ready for this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, all these fucking chem lights start coming towards me in the rear view. And they're like on my ass. We hit Loch Ness, right? Loch Ness is like this really steep uh, hill that was like known in ARS. And we start going up. It's thick ass sand. You're like digging in. And everybody is right behind me. One of the instructors, I'm like brand new, just dying. And one of the instructors comes up. It's dark. It's like, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning. He comes up and he's like, you are holding everyone up. Like, in my face. And I like turn to him and he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So, So like, he's like, he stops and he's like, 10 feet from the rabbit, 10 feet from the rabbit, you know, and and like I, I embarrassed myself on that first event. So I go into the major's office, and and he's like, "You will not go to the gym until you improve. You will be running with me every single day." And I was like, "Holy shit!" And the CEO at the time, like he ran like a, a fifteen minute three mile. Like this dude was just a monster. So he started like taking me for runs, and I'm just fucking puking. And I, you know, I turn into like this fucking ARS instructor, you know, this mean, slim, I'm fucking running dudes. And, uh, and then I'm killing it like a couple months later. Uh, but that was, that was like a big eye opener, like thinking I could just walk in and, and crush these dudes. It is not the fucking case, man. <laughs> yeah. For, for our listeners out there, they have not really a, a big idea what this realm's like. It's, it's more an endurance sport i mean yes. you gotta be you yes. just gotta go fucking forever man and, and you have this misconception that dudes are jacked like bobby here and that is true once you get to a platoon but like when you're going through these school phases you need to be lean as you can be and light as yep. you can be and go fast forever so yep. there's that misconception about some giant dudes and they're there like Jacqueline and you know jacks and some other giant guys but during but they're not school- fucking runners by any stretch of the imagination. They're not. But they, during those school phases, they, they, they were at one point. They won. Yeah, they were definitely yep. lean. And this is, you know, I bring this up when I when I do the SOCOM athlete events. Um, yeah. You know, I bring it up to them because they they they're seeing stuff on YouTube. They're seeing movies, you know, and dudes that are you know kicking indoors are all big fucking jack dudes. Like that, you're not going to be like that during you know your pipeline. Like you need to be lean and mean. Once you make yep. it through all your schooling, then you could turn into whatever the fuck you want to. I mean, not a big yep. fat ass, but right. If you want to get jacked, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, man. So, I was during that time. I was right up the road from you. I was in uh, in uh, the amphibious base, man, and I remember seeing the uh, the the guys coming in to the pool and all that stuff. And you were there in, in like '06, right? Yep, yep. I yeah. got there, dude. I spent my entire time on the East Coast. Basically, I got there in like '03, the summer of '03, and I didn't leave 2014. So I was there the fucking whole time. But, do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember that that big white bus that got stuck at the gate? Like it got wedged in there at the gate because it was too big. On <laughs> uh, at the amphib base. Yeah. Yeah, you guys got caught on those fucking concrete barriers there. Yeah. So that was, yeah. was I was the bus driver. I, freaking, <laughs> I, I fucking remember that, dude. I remember that. So so we were we were running late for the pool, and I was I my duty supposed to do. Remember, like the the big trucks and buses were supposed to go over here, but I was running yeah. late, and 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 I didn't want to get in trouble for not being there on time with the students, and so I was like, I'm just this will work out. I'm going to go through the gate. And I fucking go in there and it just gets wedged and it got wedged right at like, you couldn't even get out of the bus where it got wedged. So I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck. And the pool was only like another half mile down the road. So I had them all straight ahead. They all jumped out of the back exit of the bus. And I was like, go to the pool right now. And I sat there and caught heat for that thing, man. But yeah. 
That was that was me driving that day. Oh my god, that's hilarious. So after ARS, man, walk us through. You know, you're an instructor for a couple of years. It shuts down because of Marsoc and whatnot. Like where? Yeah, so I kind of got screwed um, with the uh, the instructor piece. So I ended up on that stint. I was an instructor for like almost five years. So they, yeah. So what happened was they closed down ARS. And like, remember what I told you, the monitor at the time was like, Hey, you guys are kind of getting a raw deal. Like, what do you guys want to do? And the majority of the guys were like, we want to go over to Marsoc. This is a new thing. We, we want to go see what this is about. Uh, I was like, I want to go to first force. So they were like, okay, you'll go to first force. But then I got a call from the monitor and he's like, Hey, listen, I'll send you to first force, but can you go to BRC for six months and help them get that thing started? All right. Because like I, I, I'm pretty good at instructor, right? I'm a good platform. I'm good talking. I know that I know the basics there. Um, so I was sent out there to start that thing up and I was put in charge of the patrolling phase and we were, we were working out of the trailers there. There wasn't that new building there. So I go over there and what you had to do to teach at SOI is go through McKick which is like the combat instructor course. Uh, and it's a three month course. So I had to do that. Now I'm up on my six months there. I, I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of the monitor. I'm getting nothing. The master guns that's in charge there comes into my office and he's like, he's like, Hey Bobby, I just talked to the monitor and I'm like, all right, what's going on? And he's like, so I know you were told you were going to go to first force and you still are. But because you became a combat instructor, you owe the Marine Corps three years as an instructor. And, and the two years that I did at ARS does not count because that was not an Under instructor billet. billet. Right, right. Uh, so I'm like, so I, ju- I had just gotten married. I just had my first child. And, and I was like, well, what if, what if I say I don't want to do this? And he's like, then you'll go to Okinawa. And I'm like, fuck, man. And he's like, but you can stay here. I mean, it's it's a good thing. You know, you're still going to get promoted and all this stuff. And so I ended up staying there because I didn't want to, like, uproot my whole brand new family and brand new baby. So I stayed there. I ended up picking up Gunny um, and, you know, left there and went to Second Recon. And, and I became a platoon sergeant. And that was, that's when I went on my first Afghan deployment, which was incredible too. Like my first platoon sergeant gig, and it was highly kinetic. We, uh, we worked out a Leatherneck, yep. and we were just in and out, right? We had the VIP pad there, and we would just go out for a mission for a day, come back. You know, go out, come back, plan, go out, come back. Um, it, was, it was pretty kinetic. Um, there was a lot of things going on at that time, uh, with like Civcast and stuff. So there were a lot of restrictions at that time, which was kind of shitty, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was a great time with a bunch of, you know, junior dudes and then senior team leaders, my first platoon sergeant experience. It, it was incredible. So being, being the platoon sergeant, were you able to sort of drive the mission sets that you guys were doing and like kind of control some of the tempo and, 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 uh, have some say in that somewhat. I mean, uh, a lot yeah. of it is, is coming down from higher and you right, know, there's, there's missions that like, I didn't agree with. Um, and we shouldn't do this. You know, there's this risk is too high for zero reward. Uh, right. but you, you do what you're fucking told sometimes, you know, we, uh, we, so the, the most, kinetic mission we did um and this was like right before i left uh left country that time we um it was a place called zamindavar um and we were watching this place uh on isr and it was it was this little fucking um little village and it was just fucking bad dudes right there was nobody's living there they're just fucking training up shooting and we could see all of this going on so 
they're like they're like all right we're gonna drop you guys in there we were doing a lot of like hunter killer kind of type missions uh we're gonna drop you guys in there and you know we'll we'll see what happens pretty much and we were like this doesn't look good you know this isn't a good idea and there was a lot more to go along with it but like me and my platoon commander we were just kind of like this is this isn't good talk to the team leaders and they're like this isn't a good idea gunny and i'm like i know but if they if this is what's happening we got to make the best of it so we split uh into two stacks so uh i took a stack lieutenant took a stack in in a v22 so two v22s going in and we start you know going in for the uh the approach they're going to drop us off they were going to drop us off 100 meters apart from each other and then we were going to make movement uh into a nearby compound and set up and wait for you know daylight it standard shit so they start going in and we just start taking like heavy machine gun fire like i mean that just tracers coming through the the bottom of the bird and you can't do anything when you're in an aircraft like you're just sitting there like hoping like hope i don't die you know and so all these fucking tracers are coming through so the pilots like hey we're we're fucking aborting so he aborts takes off and v22s suck right they're coming in real slow and and we're taking a lot of fire but taking off they can move pretty fast. So he takes off and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, we're, we're aborting the mission. And I'm like, well, what about the other half of my platoon? Oh, well they made it in. They took some fire, but they made it in. So I'm like, well, you have to put us in like that's, that's SOP. We're not gonna, we're not going back without them. So he's like, okay. So he makes another approach. We start taking fire um, until we hit like the compound walls and then because everybody that's shooting is behind the compound walls. So then we stop taking fire. We take one RPG. Um, they they drop down. We fucking jam out, get down into the prone. Bird takes off. They barely make it back. The only guy that got shot in the bird was a fucking Afghan DEA dude. Uh, he got shot in the leg, stayed on the bird. So they take off. They barely make it back to um, Leatherneck because the birds are just so shot up. And we fucking sit there. We do seals, right? We're, we're listening to see what's going on around us. There's no go gunfire going on at this time. Uh, we have no idea where the other part of the platoon is because they're not next to us. So we see the first compound in front of us. We're like, hey, we're going to take this. Uh, but we're moving super slow because there could be fucking shit everywhere. We move up. It takes about an hour to uh, make entry into this place because we're just... We're playing it fucking safe, man. Um, we get into this thing. Once we get into the uh, that first compound, I mean, you could tell like there was a bunch of fucking bad dudes that were just there. There's AK magazines, spent rounds, fucking fire still smoking. Like they were just there. We take over that compound. We try and get comms with the uh, the other stack. We finally get a hold of them, figure out where they are. They're a mile away. They did not get dropped off where they were supposed to. We did. Yeah, fuck. So they're on the other side of this village, right? And the whole village is like very intricate alleyways and fucking compounds that all like attach to each other. And looking at uh, a pred feed, like there's all kinds of fucking wires and shit going through these alleyways. So it's all booby trapped and shit. So we decide like, hey, just do like, let's just do like a, a mousetrap thing and just breach all the way through to us. So they're just fucking breaching, breaching walls like a, like a mouse through cheese all wow. the way over to our position. Wow. Everybody makes it over. It's like, I don't know, probably like 10 in the morning by the time, you know, we're all together. Everybody's good. Um, and then we just start, you know hellstorm we start taking shots 360 um preds overhead we could see dudes setting up mortars they won't drop anything off the rail because of you know what's been going on and civ gas and shit so what we're doing at this time is we're using the pred feed right so we have the feed open 
One guy's got the feet open. Another guy's got a fucking 203, and he's slinging rounds. And the dude with the feet open is like left, you know, and, and he's adjusting, slings another round up, you know. So we're <laughs> we're making it happen, man. Uh, but we're fighting like for our lives there. They can't get an extract to us. They can't get a resupply to us because those birds are down. They're trying to get a new crew up. Uh, finally, they get some extract birds and we have to move like, I don't know, probably less than a mile uh, to to get to those extract birds. And we're like, we're doing a fucking breakout gr uh, drill. We're like out of ammo at this time. We're Fuck. using the last of what we got. And by the time we get to the bird, like we're down to like long range and nine mil. Like that's all we had left. Uh, everybody was fucking way out. We made it on the bird and made it out unscathed, but that was probably like the most intense uh, mission that I've ever done. Yeah. That's a fucking yeah. good one. Man. Super sketchy. Holy hell. What year was this? That was 12. 12. It's like another one of those things where they shut down air operations and it was yeah. like you were only doing day hits for the most part. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was all it was all day stuff at that time, um, but we we did a lot of a lot of kinetic shit um, there. I mean, we we did a left seat, right seat with uh, first recon, and you you've done many left seat, right seats, right? And it's supposed to be like in Smurfland, like, hey, this is how we get in the house, and this is what we see normally. But our left seat, right seat was like highly kinetic. Like as soon as we got there, we were in a firefight, fucking rockets. We're dropping high Mars, like we're fighting together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and like the guys that were doing the uh, the left seat with us, like they're like, dude, we're leaving in three days, man. I can't die right now. <laughs> so yeah, it was it, it was intense, man. That was a good one. Now I I actually had to leave that deployment. That's when like my life like changed. Um, yeah. so so, do you want to talk about that kind of craziness at all? Yeah, I, I could talk briefly about it. I mean, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll give you, you know, the cliff notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at that time, uh, my, my wife at that time is now my ex-wife. She, uh, she was getting heavy. Is this, a, is, is this the, the sort of like, Hey boys and girls, this what happens when you're a fucking marine and you're deployed all the time and your wife's home doing crazy shit. Is I, I this think one of this those? is this is the high end of the spectrum, right? Because like I think that that that's a thing that happens, but this was like way above that. Because uh, I've been through that in deployments, not for myself, but other dudes, and just yeah. like ah, oh, your wife's cheating or she's spending all the fucking money on weird shit or whatever but this was like another level so like she she got heavy um into drugs and alcohol and uh. like i get a call from her family and they're like hey she's gone uh we got gianna and she's safe which is my daughter um but like you you need to come home so they uh i talked to the the command and they're like you need to go home so and that was like that was a really hard thing for me. Like I, yeah. I remember the day that that happened. Cause it's like, of course I'm going to go home for my daughter. Right. Um, for sure. But at the same time, I'm leaving these guys that, you know, they're, you know, they're my brothers and I'm in the role where I'm responsible, you know, for them to, to keep living. And yeah. I remember being in like the team room and, and just, dude, I was fucking crying in front of, you know, 23 grown ass dudes that I've been, you know, fighting with. And I couldn't stop crying. Like, I just, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't hold it in, man. And it was like embarrassing for me. Uh, and and now, now that I'm older and it's in the past, like, I, I don't think it's as embarrassing. Um, dude, not at all, man. Dude, Trust me, all your brothers, every single one of them guaranteed yeah. fucking understood it and dude it's, 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 it's fucking it's, you're you're in war with these guys and you've yeah. got like you said your man you're it's not like you're in the team you're yeah. the fucking one of their leaders you're yeah. running that show and to fucking have to leave those guys that sucks yeah, yeah it was it was a really like really hard thing to do um and so so that happened i went back uh i picked up my daughter uh and that's when like life kind of changed i, I called the monitor 
Uh, and I was like, hey, this just happened. And, and they all know because we're a so small community. He knew before I told him. Um, and I was like, hey, what do you have that I could like be a single dad? And, and that's pretty much what I did for the rest of my career at that time. I, you know, I went to like staff and COIC positions, uh, cadre positions, just so that I can, you know, be there for my daughter, uh, but still contribute, you know, and I, I tried to do that as much as I can, whatever position I held, I tried to make it, you know, the best that it could be grow that position. Um, and, and that's, that's what the rest of my career looked like. You know, there was no more, you know, deployments. It was, it was doing the best at what you gave me, uh, but not deploying, not being part of, you know, that team anymore. So that's, that's kind of like where it went, but I, I kind of, I kind of found my niche, right? Um, I like to talk, I like to teach, I like to mentor. Uh, and, and that's, that's what I did for the rest of my career. And I, I, I still like doing that to this day, you know? Yeah. Hey, you do got the gift, awesome. gift, of, gift of gab, man, in a very relatable way, you know? So, and you, so out. you finished up your career at, at, we had a kind of a similar thing at the, the SEER thing. Yeah, in, I was uh, working uh, personnel recovery for the Air Force. Okay, that's um, that awesome. My that was my last one, uh, which was a great transition. If if you're a Marine and your last <laughs> station is working for the Air Force, that you're pretty much a civilian. Um, so that was that was a great transition piece. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And what you what year did you retire? March. Oh, well, you just, so it, I you just, just got my first paycheck, like on the awesome. on the first. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. 2023, cool. the year of our Lord, Patrick. The, the year of our Lord. So how's the last fucking 30 days been, man? I mean, how does it feel in hindsight? This is such a pinnacle transition after dedicating your adult fucking ass kicking life to this, this cause. Like, how does it feel to be done after fucking 20 plus years, man? You know what? I, I don't really think it's hit me yet, um, to be totally honest. So, so I... I did um, so. I did a skill bridge with Invictus International. Uh, Invictus International is a security and risk management firm here, headquartered in in Las Vegas. So it was uh, it was founded by uh, a bunch of recon dudes and Marsat dudes, and uh, I I did a skill bridge with them. So if you don't know what a skill bridge is, it's like an internship where you're still in the military, uh, but you go to a, a company and you learn about that company. And hopefully that company offers you a job if you're not a total shitbag. Um, so I did that for about five months and just learned as much as I can. And uh, I mean, I, I love it here because it is, there's a lot of veterans that work here. Um, so it, it kind of keeps you on that same like keel. Um, but yeah, it hasn't really hit me, man. Um, a few things hit me because there's like things in real life that are a lot different from things in the military. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I was never like the guy that yells at people in the military or anything like that. But, um, but like just simple little things now working with uh, employees, um, like, you know, just learning all these little things that you can't do anymore, you know? Which I yeah. maybe is a good thing, you know. Yeah. HR needs to have a talk with you. Yeah, so I, I I work like right alongside HR. Like I I I position myself like in the uh, in the outside of his office, so I could like hear things and learn because um, I'm still learning right now. And sure. uh, and yeah, it's just it's different, right? Because like first sergeant would be like the HR guy, like in the military, and yeah. and it's totally different, right? When somebody is like, Hey, in the military, they're like, Hey, I can't come in today. My wife's, you know, got this thing going on. And then, you know, the platoon sergeant's like, well, what's going on? Tell me a little bit about it. You know, is this yeah. more important than work? Like in the real world, you're like, okay, well, we'll see you when you get back. <laughs> yeah. You can't pry. Yeah. So, yeah. but so, I, I'm, I am like, I'm really enjoying it and I'm looking forward to the, the future and I want to, I want to be here as, as this company that I work for now, like grows, uh, and it's gonna, I mean, this, they're killing it over here, man. 
Really? So you're, you're, and you're going to continue with Invictus. So what do you what do you do for them? I am the director of growth and development. So I am uh, I'm setting up job fairs. I'm doing recruiting. I'm doing advertising. I'm uh, you know going out and and pushing our training. We have a whole uh, training wing where we do you know weapons training, medical training, um, sustainment training for uh, security officers and law enforcement. Um, so I'm pushing all that. I'm you know I'm working social media. So I'm. I am the growth guy, and then I'm I'm still you know growing direct action at the same time. Uh, so, I I, I I talk to people nowadays, and I'm like I'm working more now than I ever did in the military. Like you know I'm I have a full time job and totally dedicated, and then I go home and you know I'm working direct action. You know, and if I have a day off, yeah. Hey, hey, talk about talk about direct action a little bit. Let everybody know. Like what you created and what you do for that, and and yeah, definitely. So, uh, direct action company now. Uh, it was direct action apparel. So we uh, we supply just dope gear to you know different dudes, law enforcement, first responders, military, uh, and regular dudes that like going to the range or just into what we uh, what we sell. Uh, but it's all super high quality. So. How it started was I was the uh, operations chief at the recon training center at, or the recon training company. And the um, officer in charge at the time was like, hey, we need to raise some money for the Marine Corps ball. So we need to sell some T-shirts. So I went out in town. I found a dude that made T-shirts in his garage and I made an order and we made some money for the ball. And then I was like, I could totally do this. So <laughs> I, uh, I had my, I had my girlfriend get an LLC, right? Cause there's a conflict of interest. I didn't want to be the one owning the company. And I started making the t-shirts and we sold them through her company. And that, that is all I did for about, I don't know, probably less than a year. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own design made my first design, gave it out. I mean, this is when, when you start like t-shirt companies, you're going to give out so much shit that first year. Uh, so I gave out like t-shirts and hats to all my buddies, anybody that thought it was cool. Um, and then just started making, you know, more designs and it just started growing, man. And, and it's like, it was like really, really rewarding, um, to know that like I made something and someone is buying it online that I have no idea who they are and they want to give me their money. It's like, it's like a very rewarding feeling. And so it's just, it's going on four years right now and we're doing tactical gear. We're doing ammo here in Nevada. Um, we're doing <laughs> holsters, t-shirts, hoodies, hats. So not only our brand stuff, but uh, we're supporting numerous military units i mean over the past four uh four years we've probably got 50 military units that you know are using us frequently and this is all services this isn't just the marine corps and what we offer them is quality right so you guys have been in the military and you've bought a shirt at you know staff academy or you know whatever unit and it's just like a piece of shit like 100% cotton, you wash it one time, and now it's a belly shirt, you know, the yeah. sleeves don't fit real good. Um, so we offer a high quality product. Um, it, it doesn't cost the same as that $6 t shirt. But you, you know, your girlfriend or wife is probably gonna steal it from you and sleep in it, because it's so comfortable, you know, and you're gonna want to wear it, because it, it yep. fits real good. Uh, yeah. and that, that's our goal going forward, man. We're just growing slowly. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's very rewarding and, uh, I'm, I'm not going to stop. Yeah. It's awesome. Bad, yeah. And uh, I yeah. mean, and it's, it's another cool thing. Like I'm not an artist, right? I'll come up with ideas. I'm driving my car. I come up with an idea. I pull over, I write it down. I make a quick sketch and then I send it, you know, to my guy and he comes back with this beautiful shit. Like I'm not drawing any of this stuff. I'm just coming up with the idea. <laughs> um, 
I like that's you. Awesome. You, surround, you surround yourself with a good team, man. You got the good idea, and you got a, you got some guys that make it happen for you. What uh, obviously, like Patrick said, we're gonna post it into um, you know, our, our social media so they can actually see it. But audibly for our listeners out there, where can they find you, man? So, Direct Action Co. dot com is our website, um, and then Instagram, it's Direct Action dot Co. Uh, is going to be our Instagram. So if you follow us on Instagram, the link's right there. It'll bring you to the website. Um, we have, I think we're over 500 items online now and growing. Damn. Um, so my house nice. is a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're on the growth and development side of uh, Invictus. Why don't you tell us how, if some of our listeners out there uh, – might want to look into what he's doing in that company that's run by a lot of veterans that I know half of those guys too. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Invictus, how people can uh, look more into that? Yeah, most definitely. So, uh, so we, we do unarmed armed security all the way up to, uh, you know, executive protection. Uh, We are risk management. Um, We do, you know, high end retail stores where it's an unarmed guard uh, all, you know, on up, we're doing casinos, resorts, uh, big in the cannabis industry, uh, and growing every day, man. Um, it's security is a great gig. I mean, we have 180 plus employees right now. Um, I don't know that. And you know, I, I am like in the headquarters doing a lot of my work, but I'll go out and, you know, I'll stand posts. I'll do, uh, you know, some, uh, protection gigs, that's awesome. Yeah, if That's you go awesome, to uh, InvictusOps.com, go to our training page, and you could purchase all those classes. Uh, we're doing Tactical Carbine, Tactical Pistol. Those are two-day courses. Uh, we bring out guest instructors uh, for you know the Pistol and Carbine and also Stop the Bleed courses. We have a uh, um, Special Forces Medic coming out end of uh, August uh, to teach our, our Stop the Bleed class. So doing a lot of cool stuff because we have those connections through all the veterans that are here. Yeah, man. I want to talk to you more about that offline. Uh, yeah, I got a, a question I think is pretty meaning, man. If you could go back to 20-year-old you or even and more important, <laughs> I mean, our listeners out there, young guys and gals that want to go into the soft realm, like what advice – you know, some big, big ticket items, man. It's not cliche, but what would you tell yourself to, I wouldn't, you know, not game to game, but like just mindset, like, what would you, what would you tell yourself, man? So, and, and again, Jason, like this is a, this is a big thing that I talk about when I do those SOCOM athlete events. Um, mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't change anything, right? Because it all kind of went well for me. Um, and, and, and that was just dragging my knuckles through the entire thing. You know, there was no prior training prior, you know, I wasn't reading books about anything. Uh, but I mean, for, for the guy that's, that's just starting like gain that knowledge. Cause you have it. Like I didn't have that. I didn't have a cell phone to, to punch in, you know, recon Marine or, you know, Navy seal or, whatever. I didn't have that. Take advantage of it. Learn as much as you can. Um, you know, train your body. Right. I I mean, growing up, like I was, I was never an athlete. Like I played sports when I was very young. Uh, but I like skateboarded and snowboarded like when I was a kid, which is, I mean, it's, it's a sport, right. But my first time running, a, a good distance was at boot camp, and I was yep. blown away when they were like three miles. I was like, "How the fuck far is three miles? Like, <laughs> pretty fucking far." Um, but I, you know, I gutted it out, man. And I, I was smoking cigarettes at that time when I first got to boot camp, uh, so it was it was rough, man. Uh, but the bottom line is like, it's 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 here and it's here. Yes. Right? It, it's not, it's not here, you know, it's not how, how fast you can run or how much, how, you know, how the distance you could swim it's, it's here and here for everything that you're going to do. Yeah. 
That's um, the true true fuel for those distances and those evolutions. Yeah, and, and, and unless you have some kind of disability, but if you've made it into that pipeline, you probably don't, right? And uh, a lot of guys have asked me, you know, what what made you not quit, right? Because there's mm-hmm. been I, I'm not afraid to say it. Like, there's been times in my life where I was like. This probably ain't going to work out. Uh, <laughs> I, I might be quitting, right? And uh, but I never did, right? Because there was this day, and it was it was actually in in ARS. We were in AP Hill, and um, <laughs> and it was freezing. I tell the story all the time. It was freezing, so the the ground is real hard, and we were on a knee at a patrol base, and you got like a hundred pounds on your back. It's freezing cold, and my knee is just the worst pain I've, I've ever felt, right? At that time, it was just, like, yeah. consuming me. And I remember, like, the, there was, like, my buddy next to me, and I'm like, hey, man, his name was Matt. And I was like, Matt, I, I, when when the instructor comes back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to DOR. And he's like, he's like, no way, dude. And I'm like, yeah, man, I can't do this knee shit anymore. Like, like all the shit in, in ARS and it's, for me, it's the knee. Right. And, uh, and I never did. And I remember thinking at that time, I, I started thinking about like how many people, cause I knew guys that were recon Marines and in, in every service, in every community, there's dudes that you meet and you're just like, you're a total fucking shit bag. You know, they're, they're there. And yeah. I, I knew those people and I was like, he is a fucking, he made that. He did this. Like what? Yeah. Why can't I do this? And, and I thought about that. And then I started thinking like in, in the entirety of recon Marines, like so many people have made it through this course. I, I gotta be better than 30% of them. Like, yep. <laughs> so, so that's what I, that's what I do whenever I have something hard in my life. I think of, all the people that did that thing before I did and they weren't all friggin' superheroes. So I could do this too. You know, I just, I just gotta, I gotta get through this next event. And, and that's what I tell junior guys all the time, man. Like you just, you gotta have the heart and, and you gotta have the mind uh, to, to make it through to that next thing. And what happens, you guys have seen this too, like over time, when, when something was really hard for you, like you remember like eating shit during an event and then like fucking couple months, couple years go by and somebody's like, what'd you think about that? And you're like, it, it, it wasn't that bad at all, man. You know, because when it's all done, you're like, ah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Like, that's, Some of that shit fades, fades away. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you okay. so much. And uh, it's good seeing you guys. Yeah. Likewise, yeah, brother. Thanks. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests, who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime... Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.